Welcome to the Salted Podcast, where we are translating and transforming our view of politics, pop culture, and personal preference. This episode is the first in a three-part series on comfort. Is comfort killing us and our physical bodies? Let's get salty. Welcome to the Salted Podcast. My name is Yon. And this, of course, is Dan, the co-host. Of course. The co-host? Yes, sir. Aren't you the host? No. And I'm the co-host? No way. Is there an order of priority for host to co-host? Doesn't co-host mean equally hosting? Okay, well, there you go. Then you are the co-host. Yes. And you are Dan, obviously. And this episode, we are talking about something that um, might make you a little uncomfortable, <laughs> and it is the idea of comfort. I see what you did Com- there. You see what I did there? That's why I'm the the host, the co-host. not the co-host. Wait. Wait, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. How did I lose uh, my so co-host? <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about comfort, and we are going to talk... This is a first in a three-part series around comfort oh, yeah. because it's a it's a kind of a, it's a big deal, all right? It's comfort in America and modern day America is probably it is almost the pinnacle of what people are aiming for, whether or not we would say it or not. Yeah. So this topic is so big, so massively important. It has become a mini series for us. It's become a mini series. So. Settle in, lay back, get nice and comfy, get a beverage. Maybe you're driving, you know, close your eyes and be prepared to listen and answer the questions. Is comfort killing us? And is in the three parts we're going to look at. First one today is physically, is comfort literally killing us? Uh, and then the next one will be, is comfort killing my faith? And then is comfort killing my family? And that's a little bit of a relational Ooh. health uh, comfort piece. So, Faith, no, is it killing me? Yeah. Is it killing my faith? faith yeah. Is it killing my family? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Huge. I like it. Yep. So, um, like we said, America, are you comfortable right now? I mean, comfort is not, We. how many of you, if you ask people, what is the ultimate goal in life? How many of them would actually say comfort? No, that's true. And yet, every single thing that we think, say, do, or work towards and focus on is making myself making ourselves more comfortable. Yes, and if the more we think about that, and the more we look at it through that lens, again, we're in the worldview business here, um, the more that becomes apparent, that comfort is a huge priority. And, as an aside, this personal preference at the end, we will talk about some of the preferences that uh, Dan, and I, uh, Dan and I have around um, how to make ourselves uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so, And so... It, Everything kind of aimed at comfort, and so and we can see this. There's a couple of things that you can see as as little benchmarks. Um, how many of you listeners have listened have heard the the little hashtag first world problems? I don't just I'm not just aware of it. I I uh, ref- we, me and my family refer to it very often. Yeah, it's actually I honestly hate that. I hate the, the really. Hashtag. I just don't like it. I, Why? I, I don't know. It's just it's so effective. I know it's effective, and it's also. Feel, I feel this is this sounds like so sensitive of me. We'll get we'll get to the the uncomfortable relational piece later, but and being a snowflake, but <laughs> it just feels a little condescending to people who aren't first world, as if ooh, you're like, so culturally sensitive. Like oh, it's a first world problem, but my cell phone doesn't work. It's like now, have you been to a developing country? People they have yeah, cell phones, yeah. and they also are frustrated when they don't work. Anyways, but it does effectively, I think, yes, I uh, confront somebody very, very mildly when they're all out of sorts because their remote key yes, entry I doesn't agree. work to, in I their agree. key fob, in their yes. $200 key fob. Yes, I agree. Yes, yeah. it does have its place. So first world problems is a, is something which is a yeah. trend and a consistent trend. Yeah. Um, we you, we use terms like adulting. 
Yeah. Um, adulting is a thing. And that simply means like I'm doing something other than sitting around and doing nothing. Like I'm taking the garbage out. I'm right. paying my bills. Like all the, the uncomfortable in other things words, of living. Yeah. In other words, I'm doing something I wouldn't naturally do unless I had to, which makes me an adult. And everything I have to do makes me uncomfortable. Right. I paid my wireless bill whilst sitting and playing video games all day. Right. <laughs> so that type of thing. So adulting is a thing. Um, but, but isn't yeah. this all related, though, to everybody pursuing happiness? Yes. So that is the the trick is that in, in the little uh, article in the Atlantic by an author named uh, an author named Arthur Brooks, he says and he did some research and he says over the last 20 years as the rise in the pursuit of comfort has increased, people's comfort has increased. Uh, there's no correlation in people's happiness. That so comfort goes up and happiness does not go up in the same way it actually unhappiness is actually increasing that reminds me of some of my first missions trips when we were in a third world country and we were riding through the slums of the city on a bus like a little shuttle bus right or a van we're looking out the window and we're noticing the kids are living in squalor and they're climbing on garbage dumps and there's all kinds of um unhealthy environment right but the kids are smiling and laughing and playing around and and uh, later we came to discover that they don't even know they're living in squalor and that they're perfectly happy. And it appeared that what that little town had was all they needed, which was faith, family, and their own friendships. And they yep. were completely content. Yep. And so one of the things that we, one of the problems in the modern world is that there's so many things aimed at making us comfortable. I mean, there's a whole entire marketplace, capitalism built on this currently, essentially. Um, and, and all of it is selling us the idea that it's going to make us happy. And one of the things, the questions that we are asking in this series is, is this pursuit of comfort actually killing us? Is it killing Ooh. us literally physically? Is it killing our faith, uh, our spiritual health? And is it killing our families wow. and, and that to our emotional or relational health? And you already said that Arthur Brooks is saying it's not, it's definitely killing our happiness. Yes. It's killing our happiness. There is no correlation between comfort and happiness. And so, before we jump into the physical piece, we're, we're going to talk about physical. So there's your, there's your, uh, are we doing trigger warnings? Is that what we're doing? Here's a yeah. trigger warning. We're doing, we're talking about physical health mainly in this You're episode. So sensitive. I know. So I, I understand. <laughs> I'm trying to make you as comfortable as possible while we talk about <laughs> trying to make you uncomfortable. Um, so we're going to talk about physical specifically in this episode. Um, but before we did that, we wanted to kind of take a look at, um, you know, when we asked the question, is comfort killing you? Some of us may immediately assume that comfort in itself is the problem. And comfort is not necessarily the problem um, relative to discomfort being the ultimate goal. The oh. question is, is comfort the ultimate thing in our life? And how are we, how is comfort serving us to help us get where God wants uh, us to be? Gotcha. Okay? And here's how this plays out. And I'll give you an example. Um, for If we kind of, if we perceive comfort as the ultimate enemy, we might we fall into this little trap. He's saying... If you're sitting there comfortable having a chat with your spouse about deep emotional things, that doesn't make it inherently bad just because you're in a comfortable chair having a comfortable conversation. Gotcha. It's not bad. Uh, likewise, if you stab yourself in the leg with a knife or a pencil just because it's uncomfortable, it doesn't inherently make it good. Gotcha. So the correlation is not just because we're talking about is we're asking if is comfort killing us and we talked about how comfort and happiness are not related it doesn't mean that comfort is in fact the enemy it's when comfort becomes the ultimate thing okay. that the enemy yeah so being comfortable isn't what we're trying to avoid right we we are 
it's funny. We are actually trying to expand. We heard the comfort zone, right? Is that you? Yeah. I mean, oh, most Christians a, use the word comfort yeah, zone, but everyone yeah, uses yeah. the word comfort zone. So we are trying to um, expand our comfort zone to make it nice and big. So it's actually we're comfortable doing a bunch of uncomfortable things. Gotcha. Because comfort is good in a couple of ways. Let's we'll just go through and make sure we have some clarity and make sure we don't aim at comfort being the, the worst horrible thing because comfort does have some benefits in general. So here's a couple of benefits. Then we'll talk about why it's and why it's bad. Then we'll talk specifically about physical comfort. Okay. Right? So if your com- comfort's good because, I mean, if you are comfortable at something, that means you are, you're kind of drawing on some of your experiences. Mm-hmm. If you've done something regularly, you've experienced it, that gives you high levels of confidence and you can do things really well, yeah. boom, comfort's a good thing. Being confident, again, if you're if you've done something regularly and repeatedly and you've seen you've found success, there's a level of confidence that come with it. You have a little bit of stress and anxiety when it comes to n- doing new things. Unknowns, yeah. Yep. Um, minimizing risk. I mean, risk is not um, a lot. Some people are more comfortable with risk. Some people are, are less. But the more you do something, then the more comfortable you are, the less risky it becomes because mm-hmm. you are comfortable with it, right? Uh, and you might avoid risky behaviors. Um, rejuvenation. Right. Ooh. If you're going to go, how's that for a word? Yeah. Everyone <laughs> wants a little bit of rejuvenation in their life. So I do now. Yep. So if you are doing, let's say you go and do something uncomfortable and then you can retreat back into your comfort zone for a little bit of rest and rejuvenation, a little okay. R&R, right? So yep. if you're going to do something hard. You can go back and rejuvenate yourself in the comfort zone. Um, you can psychologically recuperate from it. Um, and last and not, uh, not least, but expending less energy for a routine task. Right, because they're right. familiar. Yeah, if it's familiar, you're expending less brain power, less physical power, and so you you don't need as much forethought and planning. So again, comfort shows up in some pretty healthy, good ways. Right. right? Now the question is, when does comfort become uh, an inhibitor to getting us where we want to go and where God wants to take us? Right. Um, there's a couple of kind of principles of the first one is if, if, if you are too comfortable and this is the comfort zone stuff, if you're in your comfort zone and kind of like the rule is your comfort zone is going to shrink with the less uncomfortable things you do, the more your comfort zone shrinks. Your comfort zone doesn't naturally just expand if you're not going to do something that's uncomfortable. Gotcha. So, uh, if you're mainly in your comfort zone and you don't want to do, and you're only there, you're going to be, you're obviously going to be holding back. You're going to be complacent. There's a terminology term in the Marine Corps. When you fight in a war, every time you leave on a patrol or something, there's a big sign that says complacency kills. And you would think, oh, you're in a war zone. Of course you're not going to be complacent. But no, when you've done a patrol eight, nine weeks in a row in the same row in the same place, you get a little bit complacent and it'll eventually kill you. So if you are too comfortable, you'll be in that complacency area and um, you'll hold back. Um, you're not going to risk, you know, no risk, no reward. If you're too comfortable, no one's going to take a risk. You're not going to get that, you know, nothing venture, no, nothing gained. Hmm. Um, if you're too comfortable and it becomes a bad thing when you, you're not going to be able to learn new skills, obviously, even the, the idea of being uncomfortable in your brain and having your ideas, some friction around your ideas and learning something new, you're not going to learn anything new. I mean, Ooh, just think of technology, how much we've learned with tech just by launching out and typing into AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, go listen to our AI episode and think about how. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can't, honestly, I can't stand those Twitter threads anymore that it's like, here's my five, my boss thinks I'm a genius and he, but he doesn't know is that I have just mastered ChatGPT. Here's your five things for ChatGPT, but it's essentially how's my job going to get replaced by a computer, right? So. Um, and the last thing is, you know, you're going to miss opportunities, right? If you're not willing to go outside of your comfort zone or be uncomfortable anyway, you're going to miss some pretty, uh, compelling opportunities that you, um, and outcomes that you would never have the opportunity to see. Think about anybody who's married. There's probably a part of the story where someone had to kind of go beyond the comfort zone of their relationship, right? You had to say, Hey, 
you know, either I'm interested in taking this relationship to a different level or more serious, or, you know, you have a serious relationship and, and someone launched out in to do the proposal. And, right. then, <laughs> and then when you accept the proposal, you're doing something uncomfortable, which is like leaning towards marriage, which is permanent. I remember being on my honeymoon, a uh, honeymoon, a couple days in when I felt this overwhelming pressure on my chest and like my shoulders getting pressed down and I couldn't imagine like what is happening? What do I feel? And I was all sh- actually short of breath, you know, this is how much <laughs> pressure I felt like I, would, I was just sitting on the beach at night and I felt pressure short of breath, my shoulders and my chest. And then over, t- over the next few minutes, it occurred to me, I was feeling the, the intensity of the commitment I just made. Uh, there was nothing in my life that I couldn't undo before that. Uh, yeah. Quit, pull out, back out, um, you know, turn, bring your receipt back and exchange it or right, take it back. Yeah. This is the very first thing I had done that was absolutely permanent, and I felt it so intensely. Uh, <laughs> but the reason that obviously I got married, uh, I should say, because of the desire to be married and getting married, it, it took me out of my comfort zone. And uh, that was only, that only happened because of the willingness to be uncomfortable. So what you're saying, it sounds like, is you miss those opportunities because you want that comfort zone to stay bigger. Exactly. No the, pressure yes. in the chest, no nothing, just yeah. single forever. Right. Which is also why marriage is so important because you, you feel that after you get married. You're yeah. like, no, I can't get out of here as opposed to yeah. just living together. Like, oh, I'm going to be half in or half out right. of this, right? But yeah, so that's the, the I mean, the, the guiding, the principle is, you know, when we're, we're going to talk a lot about how comfort can kill us in a bunch of different mm. ways but don't walk out thinking comfort is ultimately the enemy we right. want actually to be comfortable with doing things that are uncomfortable so yeah. that's the kind of the goal is like if we make if we do more things that are uncomfortable we are going to be more comfortable with them and our comfort zone will expand and that's what we're aiming at we want to be comfortable doing all of the uncomfortable so, things so the problem isn't the real problem then isn't with comfort itself correct it is it's making comfort maybe the ultimate thing okay. in our lives and the pursuit of comfort. So, um, and so we're going to take a look at, like I said, three different areas of comfort. The first one is like the physical comfort. And then the, the next episode will be kind of uh, spiritual comfort and then emotional comfort. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever we find ourselves in the trap of making comfort, the ultimate thing, it does lead to, um, it leads in the physical, it leads to things like obesity. It leads to malnourishment. It leads to atrophy in the spiritual world uh, life. It leads to apathy and the emotional, it leads to self-centeredness, depression and, and becoming a quote unquote <laughs> snowflake. Are we allowed yeah. to say that? If yeah. you're a snowflake listening, I'm sorry. We've offended you. But <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah. So that's what we're going to hit in the next couple of episodes. But specifically in this episode, we're talking about, you know, is it literally killing you in like right. physically yeah. is your pursuit and making comfort the ultimate thing in our lives literally going to kill us? Yeah. And how many of you like talking about your physical health? I mean, I do now, but I, yeah, I do now, but only because it keeps me focused. Yeah. Lots of people, this is not a topic of conversation that's great right. because a lot of times it will, it, it will get to the parts where we talk about things that are uncomfortable and like, well, I'm not doing that. I yeah. should do that. Is this a lecture? Right. And, the, you know, this isn't going to be a lecture on all of the things you should do, like how many, what gym you should go to. And what, but we're going to talk about some of the things that we think will be helpful in helping us uh, be more, get us to where God wants us to yeah. be in our physical health. And health. essentially avoid letting comfort physical comfort literally kill you yes exactly so um 
and you know, in America, it's obviously easier than ever. It's easier to ever when it comes to our physical, you know, comfort. It's easier than ever to do a couple things, and we'll we'll kind of put it. We've identified three different ways in which this shows up. The first is skip any and all ex- exercise and be really inactive. So yeah. comfort leads to high levels of inactivity and a lack of exercise, especially in our in our American society, which yes. seems like there is a it's a it's a racket. The uh, focus on profits from comfort. Yes. Right. Well, I'll take for example off the top of my head, the profit for the pharmaceutical industry to just treat ailments and diseases with uh, pills and prescriptions rather than do the hard work of getting healthy. Yep. Yeah, we don't have right, the, the, the we don't have health care. We have health insurance. We're just dealing with the symptoms. We're not really dealing with the the root causes and caring right. for people, right? Um, and so it's easier than ever just to do nothing and be inactive. It's also easier than ever to eat unhealthy foods. Yes, um, they're everywhere. They're everywhere, and they're so yummy. Yes, and they're so yummy. And <laughs> even the the healthy foods might be a little bit unhealthy. What's and, your favorite unhealthy food? What's your, no no? Oh. What's your what's your? Give me your. Um, what do they call that? Your guilty pleasure. Uh, I think probably my guilty pleasure is I like fast food. I just love oh, fast food. Yeah. Honestly, I could just eat. I love it. Yeah, I can have a favorite. Is, I know you're a Popeye's chicken sandwich. I do guy. like Popeye's chicken sandwich. But if I'm just going to, I mean, I am a McDonald's guy. Like I could go. It's sentimental. I grew up with McDonald's. Oh, okay. So, but uh, yeah. you grew up with what? McDonald's. Yeah, that's oh, like. All right place we would that's the only fast food joint we would go in canada because we lived in a real small town oh, okay so i could go to mcdonald's any day of the month any day of the week so and now with those offers and those deals <laughs> you you'd stop sending <laughs> me all the, the offers and the deals <laughs> on the app you know <laughs> so. did you just blame me yes i just blamed you, you for it's got to be one of our categories is yeah. blaming I mean, once a month maybe i'm i'm downloading <laughs> the wendy's app getting a deal and then deleting it and i'm never gonna use right. it again and then i do it again so Sorry, we've got off track there. So uh, three things, and when it comes to our physical health, is it literally is comfort literally killing us? It's skipping all exercise, so inactivity, eating unhealthy foods. And the third one is fill our bodies with harmful substances. Um, the comfort that comes with, um, whether it be alcohol, drug, or even lesser things uh, like caffeine, sugar, easy, um, all easy. that stuff, right? Easy. So are we filling take, our bodies with harmful take, substances? Take that back. Caffeine's actually not, not that bad for you, right. so I, I will not, take that back. Thank yeah. you. Sugar, not so sugar, much. But. So let's go through, and we'll just take a look at the state of things, just so you know that we're, you know, you're not alone, I'm not alone in this, uh, and, and, and let's see how comfort is actually literally killing us, The making co- comfort the ultimate thing is actually killing us in our physical um, body. So inactivity, the first thing. So when it comes, there's actually a CDC definition of inactivity, and it just simply means doing no physical activity outside of what you do for work. Mm-hmm. So they did a survey, and they asked, how many Americans do are inactive? And um, it's somewhere around like 24 25% of all Americans are classified as inactive, self-report as inactive. And so um, that just means if outside of work, you're not doing anything. Um and you'd say, well, so what? What's so bad about that? Well, there's some effects of inactivity, and that, and they identify three things. They say one in ten premature deaths could be um, reduced or um, mitigated by increasing your level of activity activity by like thirty minutes a week or something like that. Some absurdly low number. Um, of those one in ten premature deaths, there's a hundred and ten premature deaths that they identify that could be prevented with Ooh. thirty minutes of activity a week. Really. 
And if you're a dollar and cents person, is $117 billion in annual health care costs could be mitigated if we increased our activity um, even minimally. That sounds like a lot. It does sound I like mean, a lot. I mean, one of out of mine. 10 deaths are premature. What they, they It could influence one out of 10 premature deaths. Good grief. Which is essentially, I guess there's a million premature deaths a year. Okay. I guess, so it's 110,000 premature deaths could be avoided. That is fascinating. So, so literally, it, uh, comfort, physical comfort, killing people. Yeah, inactivity of doing nothing. And that's, and that's a, and then we're talking about like a moderate increase of like 30 minutes a week of like, in, of activity, right? So exercise or something like that, right? Eating unhealthy foods. So here's, um, one of the best benchmarks is of asking the question like, is my pursuit of ultimate pursuit of comfort literally killing me is maybe in the eating out category of things. And here's some statistics. Maybe ask yourself, think and think as pause the episode and think how many times do I eat out a month and by eat out and or order delivery. Okay. And uh, here's the statistics, the national statistics in America. It's just, we're kind of highlighting again, the fact that it's easier than ever to jump into this comfort zone and stay there. The average person dines out three times a month three times, dines out three times a month, and they receive delivery four and a half times per month. So they are Whoa. seven and a half times a month. They are eating restaurant food. Oh, my. I don't know if that's sustainable. I I, I don't know how that's financially sustainable, honestly. It can't be. It can't, well, yeah, you're right. It can't be. It can't the be. The average person also has $10,000, $15,000 of credit card debt. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and here's the top five reasons why people prefer to get delivery, right? Eating out was one thing, right? Eating out's one level of comfort. I don't got to cook. We're just going to go out and have a meal. But in, when it comes to getting delivery, here's the top five reasons. 76% of the people said they enjoyed to eating at home, which I think is fine, but you, yeah. you can also cook for yourself at home. But um, 76% said convenience. Yeah. Well, obviously. Knock, knock, knock. Here's yep. your dinner. Yep. The gig economy is getting us access to food is uh, very easily. 50% said that they wanted the ability to watch TV or movies, right? Movie Tavern kind of solved that. You can kind of go and eat whilst watching a movie. Mm -hmm. But 49%, which is 50%, said they don't have to cook. And 32% said they wanted to wear comfortable clothes. <laughs> you can't wear You McDonald's. can't wear comfortable clothes at McDonald's. Or no way. Nope. Not By the way, there. when, when um, DoorDash and Uber Eats and... Uh, what's the other one? Grubhub. When that first came out, I remember very, very vividly thinking to myself, "This, there's no way this is going to work. Yeah. And here's the reason. Not because people don't want convenience, right. but when I started to kind of <laughs> keep track of the fees, the yeah, tips, totally. and the whatever, I was like, there's no yeah. way yeah. I am going to order a Popeye's meal that I'm already ordering there because I want to save a little money, right? right? Maybe get a little family bucket or whatever. Yep. I'm not paying an extra eight, nine, eleven dollars yeah. to have that delivered with tip and service fee. Yeah, there's no way because in that case, I'm not going to order fast food to to um, right uh, help my budget <laughs> a little bit, right? Yeah, I'll go to the nearest steakhouse or something. Right. Like that. Yeah. You right. look at you look at the numbers like good. It's great. Right. So expensive. that's why yeah. I'm a total fool not to think that convenience came with a price and that seventy six per or sorry that um, that this many people were. Uh, let's say seven and a half times, uh, four and a half times a month, we're willing to spend the extra money for the convenience or the right. comfort. Yeah. Now we're not make placing a judgment on this, right? We are just simply saying this is what the statistics are. I mean, this is this is it's very easy to get food delivered right to your doorstep for all these different reasons. And you might be sitting there saying, "Yeah, but you can get 
healthy food delivered to your door? Well, you yeah. can, but statistically they do not because 60% of every takeout and delivery order is a fast food yeah. order, yep. which, by the way, I just find shocking. There's you a drive through Like, there's a drive through You can drive and... Anyways, but if you are willing to spend the money... Yeah, you're right. Right? Yeah. Just just uh, when Raquel and I took our last uh, weekend getaway for her birthday, we did uh, a DoorDash order, and it said that the order would take, I think, 30 minutes. 11 minutes after we p- pressed pay, Jeez. there was a knock on our wow, hotel yeah, that's room. That's pretty impressive. And I was like, this is why people do <laughs> this, this all why. the time. Yeah. Maybe if you're in a bigger city, it's like literally instantaneous. Maybe. Like that just because... Well, I would, I would, I mean, not only am I not judging, this is, I would do this. If I could justify it, I would do this way more often. Yeah. Yeah. Um, instead of your dumb drive through idea. Yeah, my well, I like driving. Get all up too. in my car, yeah. <laughs> then push the button. Put on comfortable, <laughs> put, put on uncomfortable, uncomfortable clothes. clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you do this a lot, we're not making fun of you, okay? It, it is, you know, I, we I'm don't want you jealous. to feel judged. I'm just yeah, we're jealous. jealous. Um, so 60% of those people are fast food and then like half of the people are, it's fast other, like 55% of the other people are fast casual. Yeah. So that's like a five guys or Chipotle or something like that. Right. So look, it's easier than ever to fall into the comfort as the ultimate trap when it comes to literally killing us. And what is, is this literally killing us? Well, one, as you, if you put the inactivity together with the eating unhealthy foods category together, that's a recipe for 40% of Americans are obese. And yeah. again, I'm shocked it's that low. No, I'm I'm shocked that it's high. It is high, but I'm shocked that it isn't higher. Yeah. The the only thing I can keep thinking of whenever I, I read stuff, when I think of the ultimate comfort, I always think of um, Wally. And I think I've mentioned this, but yeah. you know, like in the Wally, they're they're the humans. I don't remember that the the humans are humans are alive, but they're on their spaceship and they're just they're just obese. Uh, people sitting in a chair mm. and just shoving soda and food into their mouth while mm. watching a screen that's eight inches from their oh face, boy. right? And so that's like, that was like the future of humanity that was what was projected. But the comfort and said, well, what's in the future of us when it comes to um, the ability to be inactive and put unhealthy foods in our body? And that's a 40% obesity rate, which is pretty... And again, when you look at what, what so again, so what about obesity? Well, obesity has some pretty significant, staggering impacts when it comes to premature death, heart disease, and all that stuff. Right? I remember so, watching a um, documentary. I don't know. I know they all have their kind of skewed angles to get across their agenda, and they never really show the other side because it doesn't make their story as compelling. But I remember watching uh, something about health of Americans, and they particularly paid attention to added sugar. Oh yeah, and the impact of added sugar on children, and I and it was a staggering number of children. I think it was like two out of three that were projected to be obese in the next ten years. Yeah, as a child, and also the percentage of type two diabetes, which I guess is an adult diabetes. Right, the yeah. kids were kids had adult diabetes yeah, because of their uh, their diet and, and intake. That essentially that low income portions of every city that the ultimately it's the children who are right. suffering the most yes and the, in the research there is a statistical um you know congruence where the more educated and the the higher socioeconomic the healthier people are yeah the the lower the rates of obesity the lower they are right um and so that's the right 
I mean, it's funny because I'm you know Marie Antoinette back in the day, like let them eat cake, right? That was mm-hmm. the whole thing. She was like, the people are starving, and she was so disconnected. She said, "Well, just let them eat cake." Like they, she had such an abundance of cake, she mm-hmm. thought, "Well, just let them eat that." Um, ironically, we've flipped it now, right? We've flipped it in that back in those days, there was nobody. The poor, the 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 poorest of the poor didn't have access to cake. They had access mm-hmm. to you know like vegetables and bread, and now. The poor, the poorest people in our society have access to all of the cakes and all of the fast food, and yeah. they don't have access to the natural, healthy vegetables and meats and stuff like that. So, um, we're pretty staggering flipping of uh, of the world. So, so there you go. So, there's the two pieces, and then the last one is simply filling. How easy is it to fill our bodies with harmful substances? Right. If you look at we did a whole episode on on, a, on drugs and addiction and stuff. But, yeah. Um. You can go back and listen to that. But just some a couple things, right? I mean, alcohol and drugs or alcohol. 138 million people in America use alcohol. Now, is alcohol the end all, be all, most worst, terrible thing ever? No. Um. But it's not great for you. Um. 28 million have an alcohol addiction or an abuse. Drugs, 59 million users. So 15 million of those illegal drugs users are addicted. Whoa. Um. And that's just the big ones. Then you add on the, like you mentioned, the added sugars, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the the impact that added sugars have on people, it's it's as you know, poison. It's a poison, and we. It's funny. We juiced, right? We tried juicing for. Yes, we did. And we I, have, I have photos. Yeah, we have pictures. To Exactly. <laughs> and I'm a like I'm a. This is one thing. I am a sugar. Like I love sugar. Love my sweets. And so that first night of juicing, like. Or the second night. Yeah, it was almost that. like going through a I mini withdrawal. Like I, I couldn't that. sleep. I was all sweaty and I was getting headaches because yeah. my body was like, where is my sugar? I remember that. Um, so there are, we can fill our bodies with all sorts of harmful substances beyond drugs and alcohol. And it's easy to do it. It, it really is easy to do it. Um, and so at the end of the day, why does this all matter? Well, it all matters because if comfort becomes the ultimate thing then it's easier than ever for us to just fall into the comfort trap and it's and it is if you look at the statistics and stuff it is literally killing us it's, and the, and the yeah. only way to get out of these things is through self-discipline right self-control and obviously you have to have some information right you have to know what things are deadly and what things are killing you and what things aren't right but ultimately to turn it around or just let's say I kind of pictured as like um, it's like the Niagara Falls, right? And you're trying to that's how the culture and that's how our food system and that's how our uh, economy is. It's it's like coming down in a waterfall and to and to avoid that, you got to like find a way to swim up. The, yeah. The, 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 the waterfall. Yeah. And it feels almost impossible. Yep. Um, and and it feels impossible because it seems like because every it feels like everything's stacked against us and the the level of discomfort that we mm. have to generate in ourselves right. is it just feels overwhelming and it staggering does. right when you think of activity right and we're talking about just basic working out right if you work out in any whatever that means for you so whether it's super extreme whether like a crossfit just competitor move. right yeah. or you're just you're just walking you, know, mm-hmm. you just go for a walk you know that's hard it requires something of us it requires us to get out of a very comfortable chair mm-hmm. turn off the tv Turn like put our phone down and just start walking. Right, it requires something that's really. And if you haven't done it in a while, it requires you to maybe limp around the next couple of days yeah. because you can't walk up the stairs because your muscles are sore. Um, that takes a level of discomfort that, and even when it comes to even the psychological idea of walking into a gym. Right, you walk into a gym and you're like, I got no idea what I'm doing in here. Everyone's going to be looking at me. 
Um, it might be Planet Fitness and it might be a no judgment zone, but you don't feel like that. You feel like everybody's judging you. Everybody's looking at you. And if you don't have any idea, you don't want to feel like a fool on the machines, right? right? All these different things that yeah. go into. Ooh, that's, I never thought of that. Yeah, it is. That is probably the most uncomfortable yeah. element of it. So that's true. Um, and yeah, and, and if you go to a different type of a gym, if you're, I mean, you're a CrossFitter, but even like a boot camp or something like that, it's like you are the outsider who walks in and everybody else seems to know what they're yep. doing. So they're like, all okay, experts. Yep. They're all experts and you're the, you're the newbie and you're probably a little bit overweight and not where you want physically. And then yep. you're sweating now. And, and you're looking like, at people that have been there three years yep, and you're totally. like, well, they don't look like they should need to be here. Yep. So the idea of, we get it right. The, the, the pursuit of physical activity and increasing that, um, whatever working out means for you is definitely very uncomfortable, right? To be healthy, right? When it, when it comes to nutrition, Right, there is a level of misinformation that's allowed on packaging on, on on consumer goods that I find shocking. I am constantly trying to figure out when it's my beef or something. What's grass fed? What's organic? What's free range chicken? Does that mean like they have a little like it's a it's a pretty shocking level made it's made in America. Well, that doesn't mean your beef's made in America. It's it can be processed. Process it's processed in America, but mm. it's it's like Argentinian beef or something, which might be good, but right just. To be to be informed about what is a healthy food and what is not healthy food is, it seems like an impossible situation, and it it takes a lot of work. It's, you have to be really make yourself really uncomfortable because it is also very hard to be wrong. Yeah. Do you know what's new on ingredient lists? By the way, that no. one of the newest things that is required by law on one of those food package ingredients lists is added sugar. That's one oh, of the yeah, most yeah. recent laws that was passed that that now that had to be printed. Yeah. Because That's one of the things I look at a lot. Yeah. yeah, and before that, this is like recently, Jeez. before that did not have to put how much added sugar was in it. It's, I mean, there, you could do a whole episode on this in and of itself, but, you know, the idea, and what makes that hard is because if you're going to change your life, right, if you're going to change the way you eat, it, it requires a lot of planning, right? You got to plan ahead. You can't be subject to the 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 urgent, the tyranny of the urge to say, oh, oh, it's it's lunchtime. What do I go find? And you can't go find anything other than crap, right? Um, and you got to prioritize long-term gratification over instant gratification, which I think is the ultimate difficulty when it comes to being uncomfortable. It's like, well, I could just, you know, this tastes delicious. I need something sweet with my salty snack, you know? Yeah. And, and so, yeah. And... All of this is kind of layered also into the idea of a worldview. Again, we're talking about worldviews, a cultural worldview that is even increasingly going to the point where even having these conversations or even bringing up the point, talking about health, physical, talk physical health yeah. in any way, shape or form is it is not allowed and it's a taboo because it makes people feel emotionally uncomfortable right so stuff like the body positivity movement as good as that sounds that is essentially the it doesn't matter where you fall on the obesity scale or the the healthy scale physical health scale we're not going to say anything about what you need to change or what you should do because we don't want to body shame people we don't want to fat shame people because it causes emotional harm to them and so we are more interested in placating people's emotions than we are in helping them actually remedy an issue that will literally kill them. Yeah, so you, your, your physical condition is killing you, but we don't want you to feel bad about it. So right. consider yourself beautiful. Right. And there's a good, I mean, 
a good great example is uh, when COVID first came out. There was all sorts of research that said there are comorbidities, mm, and obesity yeah. is a massive comorbidity. And no, nobody was allowed to say that. Yeah, nobody because you say, well, you can't do that. You can't stigmatize people who are overweight. Right. No, you can probably tell them that their life is in danger. You Ugh. mean you don't want to emotionally harm them, but there's a literal comorbidity correlation. Incredible. Um, and now they say that all the time, right? Uh, so. That is a, when it comes to the worldview stuff, I mean, we are, we are, if the worldview is, if comfort is the ultimate thing, it's, it will literally kill us. Mm -hmm. Statistically, physically, it's going to kill us. And if we buy into the worldview that we, we cannot have these conversations because it's too emotionally risky, um, and, uh, then we actually are not interested in other people's health. Right. We're more interested in our own comfort because we don't want to be uncomfortable and that someone else is uncomfortable right. as we talk about it. We are more interested in our own comfort than other people in in having their physical bodies sure. um, changed. And the question is, why does this all this matter? Right. Well, it matters because there are, to Christians, right, if we're trying to salt the earth, why does it matter? Well, if we don't talk about all this stuff from a gospel perspective, other people are going to talk about it from a non-gospel perspective. And they are. And they are, right? Yeah. And there's lots of people, and this goes for everything, even not just physical, but there's a rise of motivational, influential influencers, right, yeah. who are who are, who are are preaching self-discipline, but they're not preaching gospel freedom related right. to this. And these people are good people and that they are they are trying to change people's lives, but it's not from a gospel freedom, right? There's people like... David Goggins, who's a physical fitness advocate and yeah. guru, uh, Joe Rogan, self defense, nutrition. He kind of uh, Tony Robbins. Everyone's kind of famous, right? He goes around. He's 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 a pretty famous motivational speaker. Dave Ramsey on the financial side. We we do financial peace, but helping them do the hard stuff, yeah, the temporarily hard stuff for the long term health, physical, emotional, mental, relational, all those things. So they're literal. Uh, niche in the influencer spaces do hard things. And they, if, yeah, and if you do hard things yes. right physically, if you do hard things nutritionally, uh, relationship-wise, and financially, then you are going to, even though those are uncomfortable things, you're going to change your life. And these guys have got a corner on that. They like, basically, yeah. well, I don't know about a corner, but they are they are monopolizing the space and making a great profit, which which we're not questioning their motives. We're just saying these are not coming from freedom perspectives. These are from uh, very different purposes, which are helpful on the one hand. But on the other hand, I think we, from our Christian worldview, can accomplish that and more. Right. We want to expand our comfort zone by doing uncomfortable things based on our gospel freedom, not based on our shame, not based on leveraging the idols of our hearts, of, of wanting to be accepted or you know, approved and all that stuff. So, right. So that's primarily why it matters to us as individual leaders and as Christians. So the question is, you know, how do we actually apply some biblical gospel center principles to this stuff uh, instead of just running down the path of these other influencers? Yeah, I think um, assaulted worldview means that we're going to approach this in a way that Christians are adding something flavorful to the world, right? They're adding something different. And I can't help but think that you have to start with the idea that we have limited God-given resources— one of those is our physical body and that God has expected of us that we will be good stewards of those limited resources. Mm -hmm. And those limited resources are my physical body. Therefore, I have to steward them with work and nutrition. And he's given me limited material wealth. Uh, and I have to be um, a good steward in the way that I sow those material that material wealth i reap material wealth and that i give and do generosity so there's a christian philosophy really that 
uh, I think can be applied broadly here, Yon. If you just think in terms of the way that you approach your life philosophically, here's something that the Christian worldview helps us kind of see clearly. Today's comfort leads to tomorrow's pain. Hmm. And that that should be in contrast to the way in which self-discipline leads to self-satisfaction. Mm. That the harder you work now, the more satisfied you're oh. going to be with things later. And that the more comfort that you embrace now, the more pain you're storing up for yourself later. Now, that's just a general sure. yeah. uh, worldview that I think uh, the Christian, I should say a, gr- a, gen- a, a general philosophy that the Christian worldview kind of, kind of supports. Right. And the reason this matters to Christians is because pursuing the most comfortable life may actually undermine the life that God has designed for us. And that rejecting discomfort may uh, also be wildly undermining the way that God designed us to live. Uh, When I was a young adult, I remember latching onto this quote that I came across. I think it was in a leadership training one time. I was very young. I think I might have been 18 years old when I came when this this quote was presented to me by Henry David Thoreau. Ooh, the fancy yes. poetry stuff. Yes, yeah, um, uh, there was some. I was into some other poetry too, but uh, I'll spare you that. You wrote poetry for Rick no, Allen. but I memorized you, you poetry. Her. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um. So. My young adult motivation came through this quote by Henry David Thoreau that went like this. The path of least resistance leads to crooked rivers and crooked men. The way I think I remembered it was uh, the path of least resistance is that which makes both men and rivers crooked. Mm, So I always thought back then of I could do it this way, the hard way. Or I could do it the easy way. And somehow that that quote kept reminding me that if I pick the easy way, it's going to generate long-term crookedness right. in my life. Yeah. So, the, um, so that kind of speaks to a tool that God uses to help us overcome the destructive force of comfort. And that tool is hardship. And in the Bible, there's some synonyms for hardship. Difficulty, hardness, rigor. Words like adversity, misfortune, danger, hazard, peril, affliction, trial, tribulation, drudgery, toil, travail, drudgery, discomfort, and distress. All of those are kinds of synonym ways of describing the word hardship. And so let me let me circle back hardship then in the in the design of the scripture in our life and the way that God describes the way that things are used and. Hardship is used as a tool to help us overcome the destructive force of comfort. Mm, So, for example, if you just survey scripture, the different kinds of hardship that you'll see are poverty that will train you for contentment, Mm, hunger and thirst that trains you for dependence, hard labor that trains you to harvest in harvest time oppression which will train you to rely on God's final ultimate justice in the end danger trains you to trust so those are just a like an overview survey of the different kinds of hardship that God seems to use to help bring about something even better or he redeems it in a way right and there's so many examples of those who suffered physical hardship in the scripture I mean all of Israel all the time 
There's poor, poor people. I know, exactly. <laughs> Somewhat uh, self-inflicted, let's be honest. That's yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, King David was oppressed by his enemies right down. Remember King Saul pursuing him almost unto death. Um, uh, the Apostle Paul suffered. Remember in serving Jesus, he would say things like, I was shipwrecked and yeah. tortured and imprisoned and all these physical uh, hardships that I had faced. And, and yet God worked to avoid letting comfort kill his people. Even God used hardship to help his people avoid the death that comes by comfort. So as a Christian, if you're with, if you belong to Jesus, it would make sense then if you, if you believe all of these, uh, these ways in which God used hardship that I should embrace this approach, which, which means avoid letting comfort destroy myself. Yeah. And to, and, and to avoid letting comfort destroy myself, I would then naturally have to embrace hardship. I prioritize physical discomfort for my fitness. I embrace and prioritize spiritual discomfort in order to experience prayer and solitude. Uh, or emotional discomfort will bring me to humble transparency. Relational discomfort brings me to using grace and empathy rather than you know, self-righteous superiority of, of, of my tribe. And then vocational discomfort. Um, what is that? What, what could that look like? Well, how about working rather than working for my own glory? I work for the glory of God and then intellectual discomfort, which would require me to listen to people I don't necessarily agree with, or I'm not familiar with in order to understand them, even as if they're right, right. maybe. Yeah. And all of that kind of discomfort creates good things for myself as I prioritize that. And there's some Orthodox Christian worldview holds that there are some common themes and teachings regarding physical discomfort. And uh, so if you think about the Christian worldview that's kind of orthodox or, or mainstream over the centuries, the themes and teachings of physical discomfort come to the surface, like uh, endurance and suffering, that um, Oftentimes in Christianity, there's an emphasis on the importance of endurance and patience in the face of physical discomfort or suffering. And that, of course, is led by the example of Jesus, who was seen having endured great suffering for the salvation of humanity. And then uh, we know that God, there's a redemptive suffering, right, which physical comfort and suffering can have a redemptive quality. And we see that it helps individuals grow. They grow spiritually, they develop humility, they draw closer to God, and then don't forget about the way that fasting is prioritized in the Christian uh, faith as well, that that um, along with some other ascetic disciplines it in, th that involve intentional physical discomfort yeah. as a means of spiritual discipline. You think about what's, that. That's your season. longest. What's your longest fast? I'm curious. I don't even know. Yeah. I'm going to I think I think it was a month. OK. And I don't know why. It was a month, but I was young. I mean, no. it was forced upon me. <laughs> it was not something I saw. There's no food in the house. I think weird. it might have been missions prep for oh, a okay. missions team or something. Um, yeah. And, uh, I mean, the whole seasons that this happens uh, for uh, during during um, occasions like Lent. Get and, your and fish dinners delivered right to your door nowadays. Yes, it's incredible. I know. Uh, and then in the Orthodox Christian faith, uh, remember to the role of healing and prayer that we turn to God who's our source of comfort and healing and so if you're experiencing physical discomfort you're encouraged to kind of turn to prayer seek God's guidance and comfort in the time of need but uh, that hardship physically draws you to prayer in expecting and hoping for healing uh, right. Jeremy Bell's written quite a bit about this um, uh, when he writes an article called Christian take care of your body and he and he starts by 
reminding Christians that the most important thing to remember is that God created man in his own image. In Genesis 1.27, it goes on to say, in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. In other words, there's this phrase, imago Dei, right, which means image of God. And it kind of helps us correct our worldview that Christians are fearfully and wonderfully made by God on purpose, knit together in their mother's womb, and that as we're born, uh, we kind of experience this image bearing where we're human beings bearing the image of God. And according to this doctrine, human beings are special and we're special because we're created and we are created to exist as both body and soul. So regardless of your capabilities, you're valued by God. You have dignity, value, and worth. We've done podcasts, uh, episodes on that very same topic because God has created us as an embodied soul, right? So we have a we have a soul, but that soul is kind of, uh, it, it has a vessel that, um, or a tent or a tabernacle that, that houses that soul, and that's called the body. So it's vital that we flesh out what the Imago Dei, the image of God, means for us as individuals. So let's step back, Yon, if you would, and think that when we're thinking about physical comfort or discomfort, if you're a Christian, you have to think in terms that God has created our body. Physically, right. we have something that God gave us. Right. It's a limited resource. The body does not last forever, right. and we kind of embrace that. And it's unique. You know, it, it's only one of you. Yep. So. And, and, uh, but most importantly, we are to steward that, that uh, resource that God has given us, our body, as best as we possibly can. And we've kind of created a culture that focuses mainly on the soul. If you're in the Christian community, you don't hear a lot about being a good steward of your body and health and nutrition and longevity and endurance. Instead, we get soul, 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 soul. And it's kind of like a Gnosticism where the objective of Christianity is to gather knowledge and to gather this ascendance and transcendence that helps our mind, you know, understand the truth. And all that's important, but the Christian community cannot purge and ignore the role and the significance of the body as well, uh, especially if we're wanting to honor God as his image bearer. Right. Yeah. I mean, as at the very least, his image bearer, right? And then actually doing God's work and doing all the stuff that he's calling oh, us to yeah. do. I mean, like you layer on top. And it's, it is amazing how often we sit there and we, I mean, we mentioned the three areas of a- a- exercise, eating, and unhealthy things and right. Christians will, will no very right readily kind of hammer the drugs and alcohol thing but then we'll sit there and we when's the last time we went who who here is addicted to McDonald's and yeah. sugar right not yeah. very many how many of us are inactive by the definition not very many of us because we don't I mean like you said we we talk about our souls living forever but we don't we rarely talk about the bodies that God's given us and exactly yep yeah, so exactly um so Essentially, what we learn in the Christian worldview, Yon, to salt the earth, it's Christians who belong to God and believe in Imago Dei, that we have, we're bearing his image in our physical body as well as our soul, that um, we practice taking care, better care of our bodies. And we do that in order to God as his creation, his created being. So Christians should consider pursuing healthy eating habits and exercise, movement, work on purpose regularly. Uh, you know, when we were when we were kind of first hatched in the garden, humans were working the land, and that land was was f- absolute yeah. over. Um, it is a tremendous amount of work sure. that goes into working the land, just as God intended. 
Uh, Christians should consider daily hydrating, avoiding the harmful substances that you've already mentioned to, because our understanding of the body and the soul from Scripture obligates us as created beings to be good stewards of the bodies that God's given us. Yeah, th- well, well, I mean, what uh, out of curiosity, like, what's the what's the cause of is the cause of that that we don't we don't want to alienate or offend anybody. Cause of what? The cause of not talking about the physical body as much as we talk. Like everyone's got a soul that you can't see and we can talk about that justified and saved. Yeah. But do we not talk about it because we don't want to offend people because we don't want to, we're not interested. Like it's not a feel. It doesn't feel like a, it feels like a practical concept and not a theological concept. Like, well, what's the solution? Well, yeah. the solution to the soul part is let's talk about the gospel and Jesus. The solution to the body part is, well, let's talk about eating healthy and like, getting yeah. on a diet and working I out. I can only know. speak for myself. I don't include it because when I think of the messaging that needs to be corrected, I think of the messaging that's getting out about one's soul. Sure. And when I think about the messaging that's getting out about taking care of our bodies physically, I don't instinctively disagree or find that messaging sure, yeah. inaccurate. There's plenty of other people saying all sorts of great really things. good things. Right? Yeah, and they're experts not, yeah. at it's that. It's not a counterfeit gospel message exactly. in terms of like exactly. your souls. That's that, that. Right. right. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. then I think, well, my main use of my limited time ought to be confronting and clarifying and correcting messaging about one's soul that is completely distorted in our culture right so and you know but it does bring up um some areas that do need correcting like the body positive idea right that you ought to feel good about not feeling good right that you ought to feel good about um the deterioration of your physical body because feeling good is better is more important than um addressing some of those realities right right so or, and, or if you yeah. feel bad physically, why would I also want you to feel bad emotionally? Right, I think yeah. that's probably the body positive yeah. message. Yeah. And we agree with you don't need to look like a supermodel to feel good about yourself, right. but also we don't want you to feel terrible about yourself. But at the same time, we want you to be healthy. We want you to live longer. We want you to you want you yeah. to do the stuff God's called you to do, and you can't do that if you are you know really really unhealthy. Exactly, and not as a means to earn God's grace, but as a means right. to express our gratitude. And sure. by the way, if if you're hyper-focused on how bad you feel, you are not sure, very yeah. useful in the hand of God as a tool to help other people Yeah. if you're hyper-consumed with how bad you yeah. feel. You know what? That's a, I mean, in the Marine Corps, you always say, um, if you're going through something miserable, if it's cold, you can always look at a person and you can say they've gone internal. And mm-hmm. that's an, it, they've... They've ceased to look around and they're yeah. not, part, they've gone, all they're sitting is sitting there thinking about yes. how miserable we are, everything is, and you. And it's literally a term in the Marine Corps. It's like, if you're in leadership, you can never go internal. Mm. And you want to, if you want to survive like the cold winters and the miserableness, it's never, like you said, it's don't go internal. Don't, don't, fo- the, the gaze of your misery should not be on yourself and how uncomfortable you are, but focus on other people's uncomfort right. and say, how do I contribute to it so yeah you have to be well in order to help someone else get well right you think about what they say when you're on a plane and it says you know regarding these oxygen masks that fall down in order to help somebody else what do you do first first you put oxygen on your own face then you can help someone else and it's just like that i think physically here and you're kind of leading people to health you're saying if you're physically healthy first, then you can kind of tune into helping other people, whether it's physical health or the spiritual health. But there's three reasons that I think as 
uh, people who are trying to salt the earth, Christians who are who are with Jesus and, and following Jesus, three reasons that we should choose to reject comfort and select on purpose the more difficult approach when we're caring for our body. And we do this because we're created in the image of God. The, mm. the, the number one reason is our body is a temple. And Paul, who is writing to the church at Corinth, and, and, and says to them they are to flee sexual immorality. And the reason that they do that is because the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So he's elevating this idea that you can sin against your body, that God has created for you to take good care of and be a good steward of. Mm. And he concludes yeah. that if you do not, uh, he questions, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? So whom you have... Uh, the the, the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God where in your body. So he, he very much sees glorifying God not just as a soul focus, but also as a body focus. And so Christians are to refrain from doing harmful things to their bodies. Christians are to glorify God in our bodies. And we do that, both of those, because our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is dwelling within us. So our bodies are very much an important aspect of being created in the image of God. And those are as much as anything, not just our purpose and our goals and our careers and our raising a family. Those, the way that we use our bodies is used to glorify God as well. So this means some hard stuff. It means, Yon, that occasionally you reject yeah. eating your Popeyes and your McDonald's. I know. It's it's terrible. I almost bought a Chick-fil-A milkshake the other day, and I was like, nope, don't do it. It's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. That's how I feel. Like, I could get away with eating one of those, but what it does is it starts to create this pattern of craving. Yep. It's it's not good. I'm, nope. a, I'm a sugar guy. So. Yep. So we reject comfort eating. Boy, comfort foods, too, in the fall. Yeah. You know, this is deadly for me, this area that starts uh, at Halloween, then goes Thanksgiving, then goes Christmas, yeah. then goes New Year's parties. <laughs> you put that season together with the dark clouds here yeah, in totally upstate right. New York, and it is comfort food time. But um, I have to replace that with healthy eating habits. I have to replace that with making sure I'm hydrated and not, you know, my, my, I don't misinterpret being thirsty with being hungry and, um, obviously exercise, stay physically active in order to keep my temple in the best shape when, uh, that I can, even though the world is, is fallen. So, uh, anything that can harm our bodies, that's what we're focusing on, on, um, refraining from. And I know there's a lot of health food talk around, you know, there's no such thing as bad food and your relationship with food. It's important that you don't have these like these things that you loathe and uh, that are poisonous and so on. So I recognize there's some real delicacy there in terms of um, the way that food is categorized. But it, it just makes sense that we should, we could and need to prioritize refraining from putting harmful substances in our body, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Uh, many and of it, which yeah. we've talked about. And it is interesting. The more research comes out, you're like, sometimes it's like, oh, wow, that's actually not. We th I thought it was terrible all along, yeah. but in small doses, it's not so bad, right? So well, especially what they've done to coffee over the yeah. decades, right? Yeah. Now great coffee, really great coffee is actually, caffeine's good for you. Yeah. It's not bad for you. They actually yeah. credit caffeine for the, with the rise of civilization in right. the Persian How world. How about anyways. that? Yeah. So and anyways. also staying active, that yep. caffeine create, yep. generates activity. Uh, so I said um, 
number one there when you're prioritizing you're thinking number one to make a big difference um, in terms of your physical health is your body is thinking that understanding believing embracing that your body is a temple and then the second thing is training your body because training your body has some value and Paul talks about he's telling Timothy um, for for a while bodily training is of some uh, some value godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come but it's important for us to recognize that he's not saying physical training has no value and that spiritual training has all the value he's saying bodily training physical training has some value right and that means that we have to be careful that we're not um we're not gnostics in terms of only paying attention to what's good for our soul but there is good some good value in paying attention to our physical well-being and that we should be better prepared and disciplined to train ourselves not just in soul godliness but also in take care of your temple um, type of godliness as well so obviously that's the exhibiting self-control and restraint and, and taking care of the body that god's given us and thirdly practice what you preach so Darn there it. are three areas three stop, stop to count three areas uh three reasons to choose to reject comfort and select the the more difficult approach when caring for your body one is your body is a temple two training your body has some value and then third and last practice what you preach so paul is talking to the galatians and that one of the fruits of the holy spirit is self-control why is that so important well if you are telling people about god and you're sharing your faith or if, or if ever you get a chance to teach and preach especially to demonstrate to the kids and the culture around us that we have self-control to refrain from the passions and desires of our flesh but then at the same time so many of us are making exceptions for self-control yeah in especially in the area of physical yeah. health i remember yep. when i was i remember when uh there's an era of my life which was all the way up until i was uh till 2007 where i would consider myself uh well it was after i was married from 1993 to 2007 uh, what is that? You know, that's 14, 14 years, years. Yeah. for 14 years. I had, uh, I have a category in my history that I would consider myself fat Dan. And one day, Oh, we remember you <laughs> one day, uh, when I see people who know me from only that era, they're still like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Right, yeah. Who is this guy? I'm like, well, that was like 14 years ago. Well, plus you don't have a goatee anymore. A sweet yeah. goatee. And so. a choker chain. Yeah. And then, uh, then you got rid of the goatee and you had just the soul patch underneath, yeah. the, <laughs> underneath the lip. You know? uh, Fat Dan was so much cooler. Yeah. Not, not really. <laughs> I do remember when Fat Dan came to his senses, uh, I was sitting at the New York state fair and I just asked my family to sit down and, give me a break I was out of breath my allergies were killing me my sinuses were all fogged over and and uh, I was sitting at one of the benches over by the um, by the military um, uh, out right by State Fair Boulevard there on the very end and at the at the State Fair and I was eating an ice cream and I remember saying can you guys give me a break I gotta sit down here for a second and while I was sitting there this super fit dad my age walks by with uh, he's got a stroller with twins in it and he's got a backpack with a baby right. and another kid or two that are latched onto the side of the stroller and he goes flying by and I literally had a come to Jesus come to your senses moment where I'm like I am sitting here gasping for air and this mm -hmm. guy just zoomed by me there's no reason why I shouldn't look like that and it led to a conviction that I need to practice what I preach. Yeah. And it led to another conviction, which is I need to be good steward of the resources I, I uh, that I have. And that 
put together with another experience I had, which was when my dad was recovering from a quadruple bypass. Maybe it was triple, triple or quadruple bypass. And my dad, who never really shares anything meaningful or emotional or under the surface, he said to me, uh, I asked him a question if he had any regrets. And one of his regrets was that he had eaten in such a way that it put him in the hospital for open heart mm. surgery and potentially shaved years off of his life. Yeah. And then he said this to me, and I, and he doesn't talk like this ever. He said, and it's too late for me, but it's not for you. Mm. And that hit me pretty hard. My dad paying attention to my physical fitness uh, right after just having that um, fab dad athlete zoom right. by me at, at uh, so that led to me getting in the gym, moving on purpose, and it led to me reducing getting rid of my allergy meds at $75 a month that uh, were sitting on my dresser and eventually not needing to take allergy meds and sinus meds and eventually feeling better, having more energy and alertness just because I was I was getting myself physically active. And, uh, and it required, you know, self-control in all the areas of my life with what I was putting in my body, how often I was physically active. By the way, I started with just months and months and months of just walking on a treadmill. Yeah. What was the most uncomfortable part of that whole thing? Getting up early. Oh yeah. What getting up early. I was getting at the gym by 6 a.m. to walk. Uh, and then eventually it led to eating better. But first was I, I got active at the gym, which almost like instantly triggered. I need to, I'm not going to be wasting getting up early and right, spending sure. this physical time. So I started to cut out soda. I lost 14 pounds in two weeks just by cutting soda out. Yeah. Soda. Every time I go, to, I love soda. Soda pop. I was a Dr. Pepper guy. Oh, uh, yeah. Two liters a day, easily. No way. Yep. Easily. Good gracious. Yep. Ugh. Terrible. So, um, so to be a good steward of my body, I, I started to own um, exercise, restraining my overeating. I remember eating portion, con- doing portion control. And I measured out what the box of cereal said was supposed to be a portion. And I was oh, yeah. yelling into the other room for Raquel to come look at this absolutely, yeah. uh, this mockery of a uh, serving. My wife was always telling me what a portion. She's like, the box, the portion size is this. And I'm like, yeah, but who can eat that? I know. It turns out human beings yeah, I guess, eat yeah. that. I was eating four times <laughs> yeah. that for my just my cereal. You're like, look, it's not that bad. You're like, Dan, you've eaten four times whatever yeah. that label yeah. is. Three yeah. cups of cereal. Huh. Yeah, so that was... Uh, that kind of, you know, it led to learning and growing in terms of what are healthful foods. And it's always a focus for me in trying to improve that. But trying to get to um, physical activity, 30 minutes to an hour of, of my day um, has led to some new habits, some new disciplines, and, uh, and, and really in areas that uh, have helped prioritize feeling better and, and overall being a better steward of my, of my life and body. So um, and you know, when we talked about practicing what are preaching, preaching, you know, and I often feel how can we, how can I exhort people to have self-control in spiritual matters when I stand in front of them overweight, out of shape, no self-control in my physical body. I have allergies and, um, asthma that's all related to my physical condition. And I'm just not quite sure how I can lead people in spiritual area. If I can't lead myself in the physical yeah. area, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? It reminds me of going to these pastors conferences and there's morbidly obese pastors. And I imagine that next Sunday they're going to be telling everybody else to practice self-control. And yeah. some of them have sure. major conditions, physical, oh, yeah, course, you know, yeah. uh, but I, I can't help but believe that a lot of them are just like me and just have to say, this just has to become an area of priority that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I need to be able to practice what I preach and and yeah. uh, and ultimately uh, continue to remind myself that training my body is biblical. It has some value. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I I heard a statistic about the the healthiest community like in the world, and one of them is the uh, Seventh Day Adventists because mm-hmm. they did they they have one day that seventh day they're out there yeah. backpacking and hiking, and they don't put they don't eat any crap. They make a big deal about their physical bodies, yeah. and and I was like, well, that I mean, I'm not a Seventh Day Adventist, but that's a pretty compelling um, testimony to their the things that they actually believe, and so if you, if they, it lends a little bit of credibility, not that I'm a Seventh-day Adventist again, but again, thinking of ourselves as you're going to stand up in front of people and tell them that the gospel is transformative um, while also not really transforming yeah. my ability to control myself True. in any way, shape, or form when it comes. And again, like you said, we talk about spiritual self-control a lot yeah. and sinning and sins of omission, but the, when it comes to the physical elements, it's we don't, we don't talk. I think it's because we just, it's, I mean, it's, what just, if it's just harder. It, it's yeah. more challenging it's to more, exercise self-control than it is yeah. to um, just kind of latch right. on to right. comfort. Well, even now, I mean, even just talking about it, I am cognizant of the fact that some people are probably listening and they will feel bad about themselves yeah. because they're not doing it. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be the person who makes someone feel bad about themselves. But when it comes to helping people be uncomfortable for the sake of long-term gains, it's, yeah. you know. Well, obviously, we've never approached any of these episodes with the motive of making somebody feel bad but sometimes the truth gets out on the table and it makes you squirm right it makes you yeah. just uncomfortable to yeah. consider is my condition physically basically the outcome of my devotion to comfort right and is it yeah my comfort worship yeah my exactly my, my worldview yeah the worldview in which i'm viewing my physical condition is not a gospel worldview right. it is a completely different worldview where there's an idol of comfort um Ironically, you go the other direction with the idol of control is probably pretty prevalent in people who are really fit and they right. want to wanna ensure that they have perfect health and yes. mitigate any issues and then that becomes a problem when they have health issues. But um, right. oh, that's worth control, pointing but, out. Yeah, that's one, worth pointing out, right? Yeah. You have one idol that you fix by giving way to another idol. Yeah, sure, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you have to be careful. And I just can't help but think what Paul says in, in Corinthians 10. He says, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, you're doing it all to the glory of God. So mm. those things do matter to God, what we're eating and drinking. And there is a way to glorify him. And there's a way to kind of turn it into gluttony for ourselves. And yeah. that's a part of what we're deciding to do as people who have a Christian worldview and we're salting the earth. It occurs to me while we're while we're looking at this closely, Yon, that when you're salting the earth as you belong to Jesus, it should affect not just our soul, but also our body right. and the level of discomfort we're willing to, willing to experience uh, for, for our yeah. own good. And I think in this, wherever you are on the on the spectrum of how you engage your physical health and stuff, it's probably, we wouldn't say there's healthy people and there's unhealthy people. We would probably say that, you know, just coming to grips with the reality of your situation is the first thing to do. And that's probably the most com- uncomfortable thing to do is to say, you know what? I am unhealthy. And you know what? There, Here's the mitigating. Here's the contributing factors to it. It's physical. It's mental. It's emotional. It's all these different things. It's vocational. Your job. All these things are contributing to your, your lack of health or your your the, the well-being of your physical health. And that's the first thing to say, okay, how do I confront the worldview that I'm currently looking at and change the, and be uncomfortable doing it? Yeah. So, so good. All right. Personal preference time. If you were, um, when it comes to comfort or being uncomfortable, we talked about three different things, physical activity, nutrition, and then avoiding poison substances. If you, your personal preference to 
that most contributes, if you're going to be uncomfortable in one of those three, that is a priority that most contributes to your physical health, which one do you... Which your I, I prefer to focus on physical activity, and there's a reason. It, it's because I, I recognize that in the physical fitness world that nutrition is far more important than your physical activity in terms of feeling better and looking better and all that stuff. It's like, you know, you, you heard that phrase, you can't outrun your fork right. and stuff like that, that yeah. nothing undermines your physical activity faster than bad nutrition. And yeah. But here's what I've discovered, that if I'm physically active, if I'm hitting the gym regularly as a pattern, a routine in my life, the other two fall right in line. It's like a cascading effect that I will in, in, in just naturally pay more attention to my nutrition because I don't want to make working out harder for myself. Right. Uh, I want to, I don't want to waste that time by undermining my physical activity by eating poorly. And I want to increase my performance um, as I'm physically uh, active. And that naturally leads to avoiding, wanting to avoid poison substance like added sugar because of the same reason. So if I focus on nutrition, uh, I should say this, if I don't, if I'm not r routinely going to the gym for whatever reason, my nutrition focus uh, is does not improve. Right. It only improves if I'm at the, in the gym. Yeah. And it's counterintuitive because you would think, well, I'm not in the gym, I better eat better. Right, yeah. But it's actually not that. I feel like for whatever reason, my body craves worse food or it craves bad food when I am, um, when I am inactive physically. Yeah. It's like a, a spiral effect, a yeah. cyclical um, downward spiral. So I would say I have to focus on... Uh, routinely getting myself yeah. active. Next thing you what know, you're you? drinking two gallons of Dr. Pepper in the basement. You Diet. Know? Yeah, yeah, you exactly. Know, so. uh, yeah, probably that. I mean, I I am a sugar addict at some point, so you know, if I'm not drinking soda or eating candy bars, I'm a good. You know, I have a high metabolism, so the problem is, is that I can eat a lot of stuff, gotcha. and it doesn't really show up, and so. Yeah. But the more physically active, I, I mean, right now my physical activity is a five o'clock in the morning wake up to work out because mm -hmm. I got three little kids and that's the only time I can do it, right? So yeah. anytime, so that is a, that's a physical activity thing, but it's also a personal discipline thing because if I'm going to wake up at five, I got to go to bed by 10, right? So yep. there's a whole cascading effect of a spiral of discipline, self-discipline that goes in and say, okay, if in order for, to make this happen, I got to... Um, put some discipline in there so, so do you think yeah. that by focusing on a physical activity do you find that your nutrition and avoiding poison substances just follows right along yeah probably a little bit yeah I, i'm not like a i'm not i'm never a let's just eat healthy and that's it yeah i'm always i have to do that physical activity something i've been more intrigued lately as to how much better i my body feels with good nutrition and also with good nutrition how little i crave bad stuff yeah it's as if when my nutrition isn't very good, meaning basically, basically the macronutrients, I find craving constantly, yeah. right? If I'm not hydrated, I'm craving constantly, and I'm constantly feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm torturing myself. Right, yeah. Well, it just has to do with just poor eating to begin with, yeah. in my experience. I have a water. If I drink lots of water, ironically, I'm yeah. like, I'm not eating crap, you know? Because right. like you said, sometimes I mistake my, a lot of us mistake our uh, thirst, thirst for hunger, right? right? So... Anyways, there's lots of, lots of things, whatever you want to do, dear listener, in terms of like, what are your personal preferences? You, you want to get physically active? Do you pursue, pr pr uh, prioritize nutrition? Hopefully you're avoiding poisonous substances on the uh, kind of upper echelon of them, but when it comes to sugar and stuff, but so 
there you have it that's our first episode on comfort it's a long one because we did a little bit of intro but um hopefully you stuck with us and if you did you can like us and share us and do all sorts of things that uh you do with podcasts that you like so we will catch you next time Thanks so much for checking out the Salted Podcast. You can find other episodes and topics on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you click follow so you'll get notifications whenever new episodes come out. Thanks for listening.